0: Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on August 1st, Lord's Day service. Job chapter 41, we'll begin reading in verses 1 through 7, and then I'll, we will skip a little bit and I'll let you know where we take up from there. Job 41, beginning in verse 1, this is God speaking to Job. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook, or snare his tongue with a line which you lower, Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him as a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you leash him for your maidens? Will your companions make a banquet of him? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Verse 14... Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning lights, sparks of fire shoot out, smoke goes out of his nostrils and from as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes out of his mouth. Verse 25, when he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. Through this, though the sword reaches him, it cannot avail. Nor does spear, dart, or javelin. He regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Slingstones become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. Let us pray. Our Father in God, when we consider your mighty works, the works of your hands, the creatures who've existed. We are amazed not only at their power, but even more at yours. As we worship you and hear your word proclaimed this day, may we be renewed in our spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We have a fascination with monsters and monster movies. There's something about seeing a great destructive force on the loose that captures our attention. If that were not the case, King King Kong in 1933 would not have been popular. But it was. Later on. The movie Jaws captured the attention of the entire country and even the countries in Europe. Down to, in our modern time, movies like Jurassic Park that still stand as images to how interesting the very idea of monsters are. We're intrigued by these creatures that we cannot control. But we say, thankfully, all that's on film. As my mother told me when I accidentally snuck in and saw a scene in Jaws several years ago, those things aren't real. Sharks are, but nothing like that. And as I got older, I discovered, I think she was trying to soothe me with words that are not exactly the case. Those creatures don't exist, right? Or do they? Last time, when we were looking at the book of Job, we considered this book from the situation, we considered the situation from Job's perspective, and we saw that it is through suffering that God grants us supernatural wisdom. But if you read further in this wonderful epic poem, it teaches us great things regarding the existence of evil and the God we serve I will tell you though you will have to probably suspend some of your natural tendency to disbelief because we've been taught we've been catechized that we man, we control everything if it exists we can control it There's some form of technology that can harness anything, any force. But there are some creatures that have existed in the past and those creatures, granted, don't exist, at least not in forms that we can see today, but we don't know what it was like living in Job's Time. There were things around back then that would make our hair stand up if we were to witness them today. I mean, t- to imagine a giant walking. To-, to go into a place and to see a creature like this Leviathan is described here Job talks in other places about a unicorn. At this point, again, you have to tell yourself, all right, I am in a church, and this is a sermon being preached. This is not someone who's just trying to tell a fanciful story. But Scripture talks about these things as real, and we, as people who are students of God's Word, must take Scripture at its word. Well, we must take what God says. Yes, there are times when he speaks figur- figuratively, but this is a time where he is describing a creature to Job. And don't think when God is describing this creature that Job says, I mean, Job's response, if you read chapters uh, 41 and then into 42, it's not, oh, wow, boy, I'm glad that that's just a made-up thing that doesn't really exist. That, that could have been close. No he submits to the Word here. So at times when we read, and if you read the previous chapter, Job 40, he talks about two creatures, the behemoth and Leviathan. Modern Bible translators attempt to help us by saying that the Leviathan is a crocodile. You probably have a note in your margins that this Leviathan is a crocodile. And the behemoth in chapter 40 is a hippopotamus. Now that's an attempt at helping us to, to explain, because as good evangelical Christians, we know that we actually have to believe what Scripture teaches. Okay? There are some who say that the Bible's not really true, and so it's, you know, so you, you can actually interpret it, they interpret it as what it's saying because they don't believe it. We know we have to believe it. So we want to make it easier. But reading what the text says about these creatures overwhelms our attempts to domesticate them. Crocodiles and hippos can be and have been controlled by men. You ever been to a zoo? You've probably seen a hippo. Maybe you've seen a crocodile. Leviathan and behemoth have never been controlled by men. So this morning specifically, I want to take a closer look at this Leviathan and what we can learn about this creature, but also what God teaches us about Himself by explaining this to Job. This is not just the the Almighty's attempt at giving Job a zoology lesson. God is communicating truth of Him. Who he is, who God is. That's the purpose. From a brief look at this chapter, Job 41, we see several things about this creature. We see, for example, verses 1 and 2, it is impossible for man to catch him. He begins by saying, Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? This creature is not gentle. He even says in verse 3 in some of the great sarcastic language, will he speak softly to you? You cannot control him, verses 5 through 7. The sight of him is fearful, as he says in verse 9. He has no weak spots, verses 5. 14, and 15. It's commonly said, at least in, in, in years past, generations, ancient times, that you, know, you could usually find a weak spot somewhere on a dragon. But God says, this one has no weak spots. His scales are so tightly wound together, so tightly bound together, there is no place where a spear or a javelin can puncture him. He breathes smoke and fire, verses 19 through 21. Thankfully, we don't have to deal with the dragon. It was going around as it was in Job's time. But Hebrew culture is not the only one who talked about this type of creature. It exists in the mythology of cultures throughout the world. You find it everywhere. From East Asia, in Africa, in the Middle East, in Northern Europe, in the Americas, both North America and South America, they all have this type of creature in their ancient thought. But the difference, as one writer, Andy Patton, pointed out, is that only in the Bible do we see that this creature, this dragon, this Leviathan, is created by God. Other cultures have God who battles with the dragon and who who defeats the dragon, but it is the, the God of the Bible who made the dragon. And we see that in Genesis 1, verse 21. It says that God created the great creatures, the great beasts of the sea. God Himself made the creatures that bring chaos, and as their maker, He is the one who rules over them. While they were literal creatures, the Leviathan and the behemoth, though, they also serve as symbols of the chaos and destruction that they unleash. Going all the way back to the garden, where did the first destruction come from? It came from the man and the woman following the serpent. Don't think of a little garter snake here who just happens to pop up and whisper. The monster dwells, if if we look further in scripture, the monster dwells In the sea. He is a sea beast. Psalm 104, verses 25 and 26. It says So this is the great and wide sea wherein are things creeping and innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play there. So this psalm, written as a psalm of creation about God's creatures that he made, David points out, oh, and there within the sea is this Leviathan. Isaiah 27, verse 1, calls Leviathan the dragon that is in the sea. As we saw in Job, the waters boil or rage at Leviathan's stirring, verse 31. Other times, though, this dragon, or the the dragon itself is symbolized as a human leader. For example, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 29, verses 3 through 6. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt, O great monster who lives in the midst of his rivers, That word monster is also translated dragon. Who has said, my river is my own. I have made it for myself. But I will put hooks in your jaws and cause the fish of your rivers to stick to your scales. I will bring you up out of the midst of your rivers and all the fish in your rivers will stick to your scales. I will leave you in the wilderness and you and all the fish of your rivers. You shall fall on the open field. You shall not be picked up or gathered. I've given you as food to the beast of the field and to the birds of the heavens. Then all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. So he's saying these words to Pharaoh, but he's bringing in the picture, he's bringing the symbolism of the dragon. And in this case, the case of Egypt, the dragon says, I control this river. What river? The Nile. So Pharaoh is compared to a dragon because he is the enemy here who brings chaos and destruction on God's people. Who was it that persecuted the people of God in the book of Exodus? It was when there was a Pharaoh who arose who did not remember Joseph or did not remember what Joseph did. He persecuted God's people. So when we consider the fact that humans and organizations can enact the destructive work of Leviathan. So people can do, and organizations and governments can do, Leviathan's work. They can cause that destruction. I hope that this will come a little closer to home. This is not just a sermon about what used to be. This is a sermon about what goes on today in 2021. Leviathan... This adversary of God's people does not only show up even at the end of Job. Leviathan is at the beginning. He's not stated that way, but remember at the very beginning, who is it that goes before the throne of God? It says Satan, the adversary. He comes to God's throne. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? This dragon, at the very beginning of this book, is attacking Job. He takes everything from him in one day. Job goes from being the wealthiest man around to having nothing. All because the dragon is unleashed and brings chaos and destruction and devastation to Job. While we don't see Leviathan and Behemoth in person today as the ancients did, the forces that they symbolize are no less real. He is, Lord, excuse me, he, that is the dragon, and his lesser dragons work to control governments, businesses, organizations, families, and individuals, all for the purpose of unleashing further chaos in the world and upon God's people. Like Job. If we're honest, we admit we cannot tame the Leviathan or the behemoth. We can't get control of anything enough to swerve it to the, the, quote, right purposes. We know that if we ever did get full power to control these forces, we would not use that power for the good of others. Because simply striving to attain mastery, control over these things, turns us ourselves into a servant of the Leviathan. Think of the ring in the Lord of the Rings. That is not what we should pursue. We don't strive to gain mastery ourselves. Like Job, the things that confront us are beyond our power. Even the internal struggle, the struggle within our own hearts, we see the power of the dragon sometimes seems beyond our ability to control it. But, lest we stop with all of this destructive, sad news about how powerful Leviathan is. There's good news as well. There are things we can learn from what God says to Job, but also from what the rest of scripture says about this creature. Number one, I wanna give you three parts to this good news. Number one, Yahweh, the true God of heaven and earth, he created Leviathan and he controls him. God made Leviathan and he controls him. When God asked Job, can you put a hook in Leviathan? It's rhetorical. We know the answer. Job can't. But God can. And in fact, he does, as we just read in Ezekiel Chapter 29, verses 3 and 4. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lies in the midst of the river, which is said, My river is mine, I have made it for myself, I will put hooks in your jaws. Who's the only one who can catch this fearsome creature like we would a small fish? The God whom we serve. But that's not the only place where he talks about his control over the Leviathan. We read Isaiah 27 verse 1 earlier, but also in Psalm 74 verses 13 and 14. He says this, You divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents in the waters. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him his food for the people inhabiting the wilderness. God takes the greatest enemy that we will ever face, He conquers it, and then He serves us with the remains. This is the God that we belong to. The only one who can conquer these creatures is the one who loves you and who chose you for himself. The things we cannot control are absolutely under the control of God. Are there monsters? Yes. But we belong to the God who rules the monsters of the land and the monsters of the great deep. No assault of any number of organizations, no combination of any sort in existence can overwhelm God or can overwhelm the people whom God is protecting. That is an amen appropriate point right there. Amen? Amen. amen. God created this creature and He controls him. Secondly, our mediator specializes in subduing the dragon. Do you remember last week we talked about Job longing for a mediator? He said, oh that there were one, the Old English says, a daysman, an advocate who would go to God on my behalf. Jesus came into a world dominated by Leviathan and filled with chaos. From his baptism onward, he engages in war with the chaos of the world. Whether he is facing temptation himself, which happened right after his baptism, he's casting out devils, lesser dragons, he heals the sick, he feeds the hungry, he restores those who were captives, he is at war. How many times do you see Jesus bringing calm to the waters? The waters are where Leviathan lives. The disciples understood that. So when when they're on the sea and Jesus calms the sea, they're not simply saying, wow, he even has weather power. No. They're saying he controls the greatest destructive force that we know of. The very home of the Leviathan is under him. Literally under him when he walks on the water. He's demonstrating His power there. As the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, remember, is the one who led Israel out of Egypt. As the angel of the Lord, what does He do? What is the first great miracle out of Egypt? He subdued the waters of the Red Sea. He he separated them and led Israel on dry land. And He brought down the Egyptians. He brought down the dragon, Pharaoh, in the waters. He brought the destruction that Pharaoh attempted to unleash on God's people. He brought that destruction on Pharaoh himself. Jesus is the one who fights on our behalf. He subdues the dragon, our mediator. If he has a specialty, it's subduing chaos and stomping on dragons. Don't over don't don't, don't don't negate that. Don't try to put too glossy. You know, don't, don't say, well, that's just a metaphor. No, he literally does specialize in killing dragons. Number three. We are filled with his Spirit. The same Spirit, the Spirit of the Mediator who specializes in subduing the dragons, we are filled with his Spirit and called to his work. Jesus didn't stop with being the dragon slayer. He brings us along, saying as he did to Peter in the storm, you can step into this chaotic mass because I'm here. Peter walked on the water as well because he was following Jesus. So when you read a passage like Isaiah 43, verse 2, I, I hope that, that, that knowing what these waters represent, that, that they, all this destruction that they represent because they're the home of the sea beast, it will have even more meaning when Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Or in Luke... Chapter, 19, chapter 10, verse 19, where Jesus told His disciples, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. This is not talking about the little critters on the ground, okay? He's not just saying you can step on bugs and not worry about it anymore. No, these creatures are the creatures who in the past have been the great enemies of God and His people. You don't have to fear the dragon anymore. Now, this does not mean that we don't face trials and turmoil. Like Job, there are times when the Leviathan comes. He comes with the permission under the permission of god under the direction even of god he comes and we see the destructive force that he unleashes sometimes it's because we give in to sin and the consequences come we walk out from under the authority of god and then the natural consequences of walking out from under his authority hit us sometimes though like with job we are just walking in the ways of the Lord and He still grants the the dragon to come and to devour. We face affliction at times in our marriage, our home, our business, our extended family. And we know we have no power to control these things. Boy, we want to control these things. We wish that we could just do the right things. We could make those people who oppose us understand. We can justify ourselves before others. We want to accomplish these things, but we don't have the power to do so. Our enemies look strong, and they are. Our temptation is just like Jesus in the wilderness. It's to believe that the, dragon, just to believe the dragon's promises. He whispers to us just like he whispered to Adam and Eve. He, just like he told Jesus, if you will follow me, if you will do what I say, I will give you everything. We want to believe his, the dragon's promises and submit to him. We think, I'm just going to take my chances now by following the waves of culture. But that is the path of death because those same waves of culture are stirred by Leviathan himself. He is the one who's making those waves. So we will still face the trials, but but I want you to notice one more thing about Job. When it comes to us being called to God's work, before Job is restored, his comforters, those who came along who had terrible message, terrible explanations to him, all blaming Job for being outside of, you know, for for saying essentially God hates you. Job's comforters are threatened with destruction from God. And God says to them, unless you sacrifice and unless unless you convince Job to pray for you, these terrible things are going to happen to you also. So Job has to pray, which he does. And it's only after, in Job 42, we see it's only after Job prays that God calms the chaos within Job's own life and rebuilds him. Job had to help restore his friends before he himself could be restored. God will never bring you so low that you cannot still bless others or cannot intercede for others. When we give ourselves to doing the works of Christ for others, we participate in our own restoration. Monsters are real. At times it may seem like the world is lying with them and against God's people it seems like at times all the destructive forces are coming for us they look too strong too overwhelming and we know we can't do enough to overcome them by ourselves but remember God's word to Job you serve the one who rules the God of floods and monsters no matter what the enemy does, your Maker will bring you through it and He will subdue the dragon and bring you out on the other side with strength and eventually with victory. Let's pray. Father and God, thank You for Your good Word, for Your great and precious promises. May we receive them and be strengthened in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com.